You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus. Well, for me, I think I'm going to lean on improbable the most in the Whitney. Alan Schneider. It's improbable, and Rod Ortiz Jr. to win the Whitney. And Brandon Jaggers. Welcome back to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, and we're here to preview one of the biggest weekends on the racing calendar. It's time for the Midsummer Derby, a.k.a. the Traverse Stakes, at Historic Saratoga, and that will be contested on Saturday. Except this year, there's a new twist, as the Grand Old Stakes will serve as a prep for the greatest race of them all, the Kentucky Derby, to be run in four weeks. But that's not all. Sunday will spotlight the best three-year-old Colts and Phillies in the Midwest, and was probably the most important day of racing ever in the long history of Ellis Park. We will see a top derby contender, art collector, challenge 11 other three-year-olds in the Ellis Park Derby. In addition, 12 three-year-old fillies are set to line up in the Audubon Oaks, which is also a points race for this year's Kentucky Oaks. We're here to preview it all, and we'll be joined by a special guest who will help us analyze those great races this weekend. I'm joined, as always, by my podcast pals, Alan Schneider. Hey, how's everybody doing? Looking forward to it this week. And Brandon Jaggers. Broadcasting from Harrods Creek, Louisville, Kentucky. Loud and clear. Okay, guys, uh, let's just uh, review last weekend's big stakes races. I want to go first to the shared belief stakes at Del Mar. That was a mile and the 16th on the dirt. This was, was California's main prep for the Kentucky Derby. And surprisingly, it was won by a thousand words, trained by Bob Baffert. Uh, this is a son of Pioneer of the Nile out of a stakes filly named Pomeroy's Pistol. And he went wire to wire, skimmed the rail the whole way. Well, two paths out from the rail. And he defeated, you know, one of the probably the top four derby contenders in honor AP. A uh, thousand words earned a buyer of 104, which is uh, that was an eye popper for sure. That that puts him among the top uh, the top three year olds in the class in terms of, of buyer figures. But he did earn a, a Ragazin figure of a seven. So for reference, horses like Tis the Law, Art Collector, Authentic, and even the Philly Speech earned a five. On the Ragazin scale, you want a lower number. A lower number is better than a higher number. So, thousand words only earned a seven. So he he's according according to those guys, he he's a tick or two off the top horses in the class. So we get mixed signals with uh, with thousand words win. Guys, uh, is thousand words a a, lit, a legit Kentucky Derby contender? Alan, what do you think? He'd be in that B list for me at, at best. Uh, you watch a race. He broke like a shot out of the gate. I think he won the race right out of the gate. I mean, uh, Abel Cedillo popped it and got there uh, on the lead immediately. And it was kind of a weirdly run race for a four-horse race behind that. Uh, there's a couple of different moves that Saison and both on both Honor AP and Saison made. I think they kind of started racing against each other. And it kind of left thousand words alone up front. I wasn't crazy about anybody in that race. I thought they were scrubbing on Honor AP a good chunk of the way. He did seem to uh, find his stride late. That may help him at a mile and a quarter. But I'm not that crazy about thousand words. Um, I don't want to call it a fluke because he earned he earned a 104. Obviously, it's not a fluke. But I'd say he'd still be a B horse for me. What about you, Brandon? 
Yeah, I just think it comes down to timing, but I think Alan's correct about B level, and it just depends on how, how that horse came out of that race, if he's going to be real competitive. Honor AP was the disappointment of the race. Uh, he was a heavy favorite, and he got slammed out of the gate, and then he, he suffered a three-wide trip or a four-wide trip all the way around the racetrack. But he did gather momentum late, and he did finish a closing second. He did drift out a little bit. Guys, did Honor AP lose anything in the feet here? Uh, I, I'm going to keep it about the same level I had him at. Again, he, they were scrubbing on a little bit throughout the race. It's almost like he and Cezanne had their own little personal match race going in the two and three spot. Um, he eventually did outfinish uh, Cezanne uh, to be coming at Thousand Words a little bit. I would not give up on the horse if you like him, but I, he would not move up my list personally. Let's put it that way. He'd still be like the fourth or fifth contender to me. Any thoughts on Honor AP? Yeah, you know, the same sentiment with Allen. You know, we still got about a, a month to go, so – We'll see if that horse can show up, but I think it's a B play for me as well. Okay. Guys, I uh, also want to take a minute here. Uh, the Whitney handicap was run over the weekend on Saturday, and it was won by Improbable for Bob Baffert again. He Baffert had a, a great weekend. I, guys, I just want you to take a few minutes and, and spend some time praising me for my great selection. <laughs> you did. You were all over that. Yeah, that was my bet of the weekend, and uh, he, he came through for me. Uh, unfortunately I still have to work for a living, so that's, that's no good, but, uh, improbable stalked a slow pace. He was probably helped out by the, the fact that Tom's day tile, the heavy favorite stumbled coming out of the gate. Uh, the, the race set up for improbable, no doubt about it. Guys, is he a Breeders' Cup classic contender? You, you know, I would have never said that in the past. I thought the horse was a miler and a cut below, but he seems to have taken it to a new level this year. You're right. Tom's day tile stumbled, did kind of hand the race to him but in fairness as much as i love tom and probably probably still wins with that trip uh we'll never know uh they've run the race it doesn't matter i would have to put him you had you asked me this three months ago i would have said no but in is moving forward at this age and uh i'd say the breeders Cup classic is in his life yeah of course let's say you Brandon. i would to- i would totally agree I-, I did feel bad about the break for tom's and tom he was Definitely a stride slow to get out, and then he went wide, you know, that for a five-horse field, right? So yeah. um, I, I would like to see him come back, obviously, to make it to the Breeders' Cup Classic. I think he deserves it, and he deserves another chance. So, But, yeah, you can't take it away from the winner that day. Had the trip, took it all the way. I mean, just never looked back. The horse Isn't looked he? phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. So did, so did, so did CeCe's pick. we got to give him proper praise. That's right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Brandon, uh, I understand your filly is uh, entered on Wednesday at Indiana Grand in a $200,000 stakes race. Why don't you give a little insight on that? Well, we're, we're actually, that, that purse is a listed stake at 150, but we're super excited to, you know, we were nominated and there was like, I, I think of the nomination list when it came out, I saw like 30 horses. Uh, definitely some, uh, grade one placed black type winners in that, in that field. And now, uh, since the, they actually drew the selections and who's really entered, uh, that field has been cut down quite a bit. I think it's 11 horse field with one MTO. So, uh, I think her speed figures and everything rank her right in that bunch. And I'm excited to see her come back to turf. We've been trying to get her back to turf, but you know, the weather's been, you know, complicated and, uh, the last time we raced was almost two months ago. So 
we're excited to see what she can do. We got a different jockey because of the COVID lockdown, and uh, our trainer Brad Cox has actually entered in two other horses. Uh, so it's going to be very competitive. I do want to talk to Brad before the race, and I will, <laughs> and uh, find out a little bit about this jockey we've got on the mount. But uh, I'm excited. I took a mid midweek day off to travel up there uh, with some friends and hopefully some of my podcast members. And uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, it's a late post at 5 o'clock, so I- I'm really excited. Now, good luck Philly- to you. Yeah, definitely good luck. Your filly's name is Dream a Little Dream of You. She's the official filly of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. What was the name of the stakes again? I, it, it's, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, that's a and good one. I think it's just like an Indiana turf. Yeah, $200,000 stakes race, but it's worth watching on Wednesday if you get a chance. Uh, I love Indiana Grand. It's a clean racetrack. It's a really, really nice place. It's not real crowded, but definitely not real crowded right now. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, clean racetracks and, and, and racetracks that we love, I want to spend a minute talking about our favorite racetrack fair, our racetrack uh, concessions. And and the first thing that comes to my mind is is the corned beef sandwich at Keeneland. That's, that, oh, is, that is top – yeah, it's top three for me of all time. And and one and one A would be the corned beef. One A would be the bread pudding. I, I, Keelan's bread pudding <laughs> is just unbelievable. Uh, guys, uh, what comes to your mind when you think of uh, uh, good racetrack food? And that's hard to find in this day and age. But what 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 do you guys think about uh, when you go to the racetrack? What what do you what's something you want to sit down in your seat and read a racing form while while eating some type of racetrack grub? Oh man, uh, you uh, you stole the biggest one for me. The Reuben at Keeneland is is as the kids say, or maybe they used to say, it, the bomb. Uh, it, it, that would be right up there. I would also add, um, if you've ever been to Arlington Park, that food selection is unreal. They have food trucks everywhere, and I couldn't even narrow down uh, all the good stuff they have at Arlington uh, Turfway Park. Of for as uh, dilapidated and as run down as. Uh, and with the charm that Turfway has, they had something on the second floor called the Cantina Nachos, where they threw everything in the kitchen sink on there, and that was excellent too. So there, there's there's a lot of if you pay attention, there's a lot of options out there that you can uh, get fat and go broke at with the racetrack. I would add to that. You you and I were down at Ellis Allen a few years ago, and they had a taco stand down yes, there. Yes, they did. Under, yes. And I thought, you know, we're gonna get food poisoning and die. <laughs> those tacos were really really good i can't it's oh in in the corner of the the bottom of the grandstand near the paddock yeah on the way to the paddock. It, it, it was affordable it was like three dollars a taco or something like that 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 was really really good what about you brandon what what are you going to look for when you go to the racetrack to eat well you know our our home track or my home track churchill downs i, I they got so much food selection after the remodel it's like a food court heaven up there so on it the is. third floor I like to kind of graze there, if you will. You know, they got a lot of just, I would call it bar-type food, but a very notable place. And, of course, a great track that's in my heart forever since I went to school at UK. Keeneland's got the burgoo in the fall. When you're cold, nothing like that, as well as they have corned beef there. Corned beef sandwich I think I had uh, yep. on the th- um, that second floor area there. Uh, but, yeah, those are my notables. And then... Mostly, I really like the draft beer. And if everybody knows Keeneland, they actually fill from the bottom of a plastic cup. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. With, <laughs> with a magnet. 
so the magnet stays on my fridge and it also helps you keep track of your consumption so uh, <laughs> but that, that those are my memories but obviously uh you know keelan keelan always wins on the food yeah I'll add one more to the list. I got to go to Belterra Park for the first time ever last summer. They have a walking taco that was fairly cheap. That thing was pretty good too. So, yeah. you know, some of these some of these tracks do all right with with that kind of that kind of work. But uh, speaking of yummy cuisine, and I'm already late for dinner, <laughs> but we'd like to welcome aboard a special guest for the first time, uh, someone we really look forward to talking to. And if you're on Twitter. You'll recognize her from all the short vignettes featuring all these scrumptious plates of comfort food that she presents to us on a nightly basis. But even better than that, she's a huge fan of horse racing. And we're going to pick her brain tonight, and hopefully uh, she'll serve up some tasty winners at Ellis Park on Sunday. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome Sack Shoes herself, Sakaya Schuler, to the podcast for the first time. Sack, how's it going? Great. How are you all? Fantastic. Thanks for doing this. So, <laughs> oh, it's fun. So we're glad you're here. Zach, how long have you been a fan of racing? Oh, my whole life. <laughs> I grew up kind of near Churchill Downs, so I went as a kid. And then as a young adult, I would go with friends. And then, But I didn't start wagering on an ADW until about three years ago. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so you're, you're, you live in Louisville now. Yes. And Churchill Downs is your home track, I would assume. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Uh, that's the same for, for us too. I would I would think. Uh, in, do you have any uh, specific racetrack stories or, or memories that you'd like to share with us? Oh, when I was younger, we used to go with my grandfather, and we would pick up all the losing tickets. And when we'd get home, we'd prank my grandma and say, "That's all the money we lost." <laughs> Very nice. That's great. That's Very great. nice. So, uh, so. Obviously, from your Twitter account, we, we know that you're a, a great cook. Uh, what led you to uh, to decide to, to post those type of videos on the Twitter? Because everybody in the world enjoys it. Well, you'd think that I love cooking, and <laughs> cooking's not bad. <laughs> but I actually just really like to eat. And so, and I'm cheap. I'm not going to go out to eat and overpay for food every night. So that's how I started cooking. Um and then I have a way of making it look kind of nice and taking yeah. pictures of it. So I might, might as well share it. <laughs> yeah, you're you gifted it. in that regard. <laughs> yeah, you do a great job at that. I, well, since you like to eat, uh, my girlfriend and I are going to, to Porcini down in Louisville tomorrow night or Saturday night. Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Uh, do you have any recommendations for some cool Louisville restaurants that maybe not are on the beaten path? Oh, Porcini's a great spot. I don't know if you've been to Valari, but it's it's really good too, right down the street. Valari yep. is on Frankfurt Avenue. Frankfurt, Frankfurt Avenue, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What type of cuisine do they serve? Italian. It's very similar. Um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay, I've been to Porcini a few times. I, I, we'll we'll add Valari to the list. So that's cool. That's cool. There's a so, new Cuban spot that opened. Oh yeah. Um, in new Lou that i'd love to try i haven't tried it yet um, but i'd love to try that yeah it's been in the news this week <laughs> yeah. yeah la bodega la bodega i've actually been there for my birthday on july 10th just uh if y'all wanted it on my birthday but we had endless uh mojitos it was very nice great patio highly recommend that spot and actually another place in new Lou i would love to uh others to go is uh barvetti 
So that's another new uh, restaurant that came into Nulu. So that's just my opinion. I don't know. Have, hey, you, guys, Cuban. have you guys ever eaten at El Mundo? It's, that's on Frankfurt Avenue as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. They used, to, they used to have a taco night down there. Man, I would just – I would get like six or seven of those street tacos. And, you know, they'd have to roll me out after, afterwards. But it, that's, a, that's a cool place to be. So, so Zach, uh, would you uh, – if you had a choice, would you – I think we've already answered this. I had this written down, but would you rather cook or pick horses? I think I know the answer to that now. I'd rather eat and pick horses. That, uh, <laughs> great answer. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Eat while you're reading the racing form. That's, that's good. That's good. Uh, so how do you select winners? What 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 uh, what do you use? Do you use a racing form or Brisnet or or something similar? Or what, how do how do you arrive at at your selections? You know, since I'm a Twinspires user, I get the Brisnet PPs for free, and that's what I'm used to. And I've never strayed from that. It's Preach. really dependable Preach. for me. Yes. Amen. Amen, Zach. I'm with you. There. I just I don't want to start if I'm already going to gamble. I don't want to start out in the hole by buying. <laughs> performances that's a good point yeah that's yes, that's yes that is something we really appreciate from twin spires is they allow us to have the free pass performances uh that that really comes in handy because you know you get into buying thoroughgraph or clocker sheets and and drf you know you're, you're 40 or 50 dollars in the hole by the time you, you make your first bet so that's that's absolutely a good point so yeah and it's easy it's easy one or two clicks and boom you're there so yeah so sack uh my the top of my bucket list i want to get to saratoga one day before i die uh do you have any any types of uh, racing bucket list items that that you haven't fulfilled maybe horse ownership or or visiting a certain track or anything like that saratoga is definitely at the top of my list um we were supposed to go to santa anita for spring break and with coronavirus it got canceled the derby and so um i really want to go to del mar um, the most surprising track I probably want to go to would be parks because I play parks a lot. Wow. <laughs> and I'd like to go to some of the fair tracks just cause those are appealing to me. Out there in California. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, have you ever been to Ellis park? Yes. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, well, we're going to jump right into that. Uh, Sunday is, is the absolute biggest day in the history of that track, in my opinion. Of course, this is an odd year, of course, but we, we're going to have a Kentucky Derby prep race on Sunday and also a Kentucky Oaks prep race, possibly. And then it's also the uh, the former centerpiece of the Ellis Park meet, uh, the Groupie Doll Stakes, which was formerly the Gardenia, will also be run that day, in addition to two other baby races, two uh, baby stakes, so the juvenile and the debutante. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. Guys, uh, is there any race prior to the late pick four that you guys want to discuss? Uh, I believe we probably should mention that uh, the, the juvenile, the male version, which comes outside early in the card, right? I believe it's race four. Race three. Yeah. Race, race, race four. four. Yeah, the run happy juvenile. Okay, hold on, I'm lost as usual. So race four is the run happy juvenile. It's a hundred thousand dollar stakes race going seven furlongs. That's a long run on the back stretch, and the favorite at the morning line favorite even money comes from the Steve Asmussen barn. It's Cowan, and will be ridden by Corey Lannery. This horse broke his maiden back in May when 
winning by two and three quarter lengths. He broke from the rail and basically broke with the leaders and, and then drew away from uh, the Wesley Ward trained Sheriff Bianco. Sheriff Bianco came back to run at Royal Ascot in the Windsor Castle Stakes and he finished uh, he finished about eighth in that spot. But just the fact that they shipped that horse over probably means they were high on him. And so Cowan is the horse that defeated him. Uh, Alan, can we beat this heavy favorite? There's a horse I like in here, but uh, what, what, what do you think about about the heavy favorite in this spot? You know, I, I think Asmussen won this race last year. He wins a lot of two-year-old races. Uh, I think about six or seven the woman won it last year. But seven furlongs a bit of a taxing, taxing uh, run for a lot of these two-year-olds. Uh, I think Cowan, obviously, is probably the one to beat. He's, he, but even money's a little short. He, he draws the rail. Uh, I'm going to look to maybe try to beat him uh, because I think the horse right next to him, perfect mistake for John Ortiz at 15 to 1, which I don't think he'd be 15 to 1 out of exaggerator. Uh, it merits a look for me. Uh, Bejaran and Ortiz are three for three together, and this horse ran four and a half furlongs in Indiana Downs. That's, that's a short race, and he closed from six to get up in time. I got to think seven furlongs being by exaggerator course might be able to make a, a nice run down the lane and get part of it uh, who knows maybe the extra distance will, will Nola's kick i don't know but uh at 15 to 1 i'm willing to take a shot with him as well as with uh, the run happy baby who the race is named after uh liberty run looked good in his debut i think it's run happy's only winner so far maybe the second one no the only <laughs> winner only yeah. winner so far yeah so they put him in in, in, in this spot here and I don't, I don't know if I'd take him on top. I think the horse will run well, but uh, a couple others in there. But Cowan's one to beat. I'm going to play perfect mistake at 15 to 1. Okay, so I'm going to take a stab at the four horse Pico de Oro. Yeah, I can see that. This He's still a maiden, so this is <coughs> this is a stretch. But if you go, you have to go back and watch the last race. Uh, this, this is a son of Curlin out of a Bernardini mare. So that tells you this horse wants to go long. They gave $255,000 for him at auction in Ocala at March. And this is right around the time when the COVID stuff began to strike. So maybe the prices were a little bit depressed. If you take a look at this horse's last start, Rafael Bayrano was making a move. And the horse got in, got in a little tight. He had to check. And by that time, the winner of the race, Medicine Tail, was gone. Now, Pico Dior kept kept going late. He never He never slowed down. After the race, he galloped out way past the winner. Now, the winner was being pulled up a little bit after the race, after the wire. This horse really wants to go longer. Seven furlongs may be too short for him. But I think he's probably one of the best horses in the race. Now, the question is, can he put it all together? Now, 15 to 1, I'm willing to take a chance. So, the other issue, though, is Rafael Bayrano rode that horse in his first two starts, and he goes over to Allen's horse, perfect mistake, in this spot. So... You know, a little musical chairs here, so that makes me makes me weary. I'm not going to blow the bank on this horse, but uh, he will definitely be featured prominently in my horizontal wagers. I completely agree. And, and Curlin, it's a Curlin, so seven furlongs. Absolutely. Okay, let's go. Let's fast forward to race six. This is the Run Happy Debutante. This is another $100,000 stakes for two-year-old fillies going seven furlongs. Uh, the favorite is four horse crazy beautiful for Kim McPeak ridden by Raphael Bejarano three to one on the morning line. She just broke her maiden going, uh, the two turn mile at Ellis on the turf. Now they switch to the dirt. I like her a lot in this spot, 
but there are other ways to go. Guys, what uh, do, you, do you see anything in the debutante? Go ahead, Sack. I like Lacey Boss a little with uh, Lannery and Hypnochizada is <laughs> the one other one I'd use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like Hypnochizada is a, a daughter of Uncle Lino. Uncle Lino ran in the Preakness, in, I believe in Nike or Exaggerator's Preakness a few years ago. Uh, mm. This filly is shipping down from Delaware. She won easily. She went off two to five. So uh, you know, the fact that they're they're willing to ship to Kentucky now, I got to think there's not a lot of two year old races. So their their hands are probably pretty tied. It's either this or go to Saratoga and face the the big boys there. But uh, it, yeah, the, this filly is is rather precocious. Guy Allen, uh, where are you anywhere else here? Well, I mean, I, I like her pick of Lacey Boss. Obviously, Steve Ashmussen with a baby here and. Uh, I tell you who I find interesting. I find two horses interesting in here. You mentioned Crazy Beautiful, who I think is probably the one to beat, but Leperu is going to Norm Cassie's horse, Pui Timing. And ordinarily, I would take Ken McPeak over Norm Cassie, but uh, Leperu sticks with this one after winning at uh, Church uh, Keelan with the blinkers on. And if you look, that last bullet work, 47 and 4, fastest. Of the day at Churchill that day, I think maybe that's why Leperu sticks with this horse. Uh, ordinarily, this is not the kind of horse I would pick, but the fact that Leperu picks and kind of has me looking his way for the top spot, and then I came into this card thinking, looking for Keith the Sormo Kent uh, James Graham combinations because last year on this day uh, they popped twenty five to one twice on the card. The only one I see today is Extrema in this race. Another by Exaggerator, who Keith the Sormo trained. Uh, I would give that one a look at 15-1. I don't know if he's going to win, but he'd be a, a bomb in a race where some of the bombs probably won't figure that well. So I'm going to – I like uh, Sachs, Lacey, Boss, but I'm probably going to try Pui timing just because of the Leperu angle. Okay. <coughs> Before we go any further, Sack, now we're, we're going to ask you to give us one – uh, exotic wager on the card. We're going to call this the exact exacta exacta box. <laughs> we want you to pick a three-horse three box, and then we will play this on Sunday. So, can you? Are you able to do that? Well, when, when we get to the race, we want you to we want you to bust in and, and tell us this is this is the race that we're going to put all our money on, right? Okay. I think I can do it. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's turn the page to race seven here. This is a uh, a other than allowance race <coughs> turf a mile and 16th on the turf uh this is for three years old and upwards the males and i'm looking through here to the favorite and i can tell you right now the favorite is vulnerable number nine big beautiful wall for paul mcgee ridden by julian leperu this guy i was on him early in his career and he he let me down several times and uh he's one out of 15 lifetime so I think we can beat him. Brandon, who do you like in race seven at Ellis? Race seven at Ellis is an interesting race. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. It follows a, a nice set of, uh, you know, little stake races, you know, for younger two-year-olds. And you never know how the two-year-olds are going to react when they break from the gate and that's not. But, you know, to start the pick four on this turf allowance, I, I kind of looked at a couple. Uh, I'm going to pick two. Uh, big, beautiful. Uh, number nine, I think it's Big Beautiful Wall. Uh, yeah, with Julian, like you said, uh, 
I, I love Julian taking the mount and keeping the mount and, and staying consistent with this horse. Uh, the stretch out kind of concerns me a little bit, but not really when, when the last race had a really big last pace number. So uh, I'm going to look there. And I've always liked uh, number 11, Sharecropper. Uh, I love Sean Bridgmahan taking the mount. Uh, previously changed by Al Stahl. Uh, Cox, first time off the claim, is pretty strong. I love Pioneer of the Nile and the Turf. I think this is the right spot for that horse. Uh, and, you know, this is an interesting race because you've got a lot of also eligibles that could possibly draw in uh, if there's scratches or if they move it off the turf. So I really like the 16 Midnight Joster. Or it's not Jester, but it's Joster. Joe so, Star. Uh, yeah. Joe Star. Yeah, so Eddie Keneally, Florent Giroux. I think uh, if that horse could draw in, those are my three picks. But the two that definitely on the card is the number nine, Big Beautiful uh, Wall, and then uh, Sharecropper, the 11. I, I do want to find somebody on the inside, so I'm hoping some of my uh, my fellow handicappers can find me an inside spot. <laughs> well, just a note on the 11, Sharecropper. Those are the same connections. Uh, De Temple was the owner, and Brad Cox is the trainer. And that, the horse is, the name is escaping my memory right now, but it was a son of Bernardini. He was a sprinter. They kind of reformed him a little bit. He he ran big numbers at Ellis, and then he ran big at Keeneland. I cannot think of the daggone horse's name. Uh, Peter Miller wound up claiming him later, and he ran some big races at Churchill and, and Oakland. But this is the same connection, so I think you've got to take a look at this horse. Now, he's a three-year-old facing older so he may be a little bit behind in seasoning but going forward if he doesn't do it on sunday he might be worth a look on uh, uh going forward in, in 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 races against his own age group uh sack uh this is a tough race in my opinion sack do you, do you have any opinions in the seventh at ellis i thought it was wide open um there were a few that i liked and then i looked at their morning line and they were good prices so i was kind of surprised um I really like the eight to one mantra that Florent Drew's writing. Um, Sharecropper was another one. Um, Attorney Tim, I liked, and then on base, those were the four that I were, was going to try to play. Nice prices, nice prices. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the one mantra ran third to Grace Creek. That was a Chad Brown. This is a Chad Brown Dynamo. This horse is probably going to win stakes races in the near future. So I, I, I 100% agree with that. And then the other horse you like there, Attorney Tim, I think that horse has a big chance too. I don't know what happened last time, but the race before that, he was absolutely rolling late in that uh, in his comeback race in June at Churchill. Uh, Alan, I know Attorney Tim is a favorite of yours. Where did you land here? I'm, I'm pretty similar to all you guys, Zach. Uh, uh uh, CC Brandon uh, attorney Tim would be my top selection because I just I like the horse I think a mile was too short last time I doubt there's enough pace for him to get there uh, today but he's going to be a price and Bejarano won today at Ellis with uh, Vicky Oliver horse that came from dead last That's the way this horse likes to run that race two back he was rolling the last uh, the form doesn't really give, give him proper credit he was rolling two back I think last time was just too short no pace I wish there was some speed in the race uh, but I, again, like you guys, I like sharecropper first time Brad Cox, I think mantra from the inside after running against Gray's Creek. And of course I, I, I would be remiss not to mention that Wesley Hawley claimed the horse himself in here, uh, painter. Yeah. So 
I mean, am I going to pick the horse to win? No, what I included on a multi-race ticket, of course. But uh, uh, to me, attorney Tim across the board would be probably the way I'd play the race. All right. It's such a fun, it's such a fun race. I mean, it this is. thing it's is wide one. open. Yes, it is. I can't believe you didn't take Mickey Mena. The Where's six. The six. Believe in holidays. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah, this, the problem with this horse, and uh, you're going to have to he make a decision. He just doesn't win. He's two for yeah. 26 likes. Right. I know the horse really well. His last win was for $15,000 claiming at fairgrounds. You know, he didn't beat a whole lot that day. And then, you know, they claimed him and he's, they've moved him up the ladder and he earns checks all the time. He's just a pack animal. He runs, he, you know, he, he, he's always there, but he never can cross the wire first unless, you know, unless he's facing real uh, lesser competition. So that, that's, you know, if you're playing verticals, you have to use him underneath because he'll probably be there. And his trainer's really good. He's underrated, but yeah. he's been around the racetrack a long time. But, you know, I, I just don't know what to do with him. So uh, let's turn to race eight. This is the Run Happy Audubon Oaks. It's $100,000 stakes going seven furlongs again for three-year-old fillies. And this is a points race for the Kentucky Oaks. And there is a filly that I think might be able to springboard to that race. And that's the morning line favorite, number four, Sconson for Greg Foley, uh, ridden by Jim, James Graham. And this filly ran second to the very tough, very talented four graces last time in the Beaumont Stakes, going the about seven furlongs at Keeneland in her last start. Uh, Alan, I know you're a, you respect Sconson. You respect the Greg Foley barn. Are you... Are you here? Or there's another Philly I think you might like. I, let me guess. I'm going to guess that you're on number 10 Monday call. Well, you know what? Um, there's about five <laughs> in here that I like. This is my favorite race of the day. The favorite non-art collector race of the day. Let me put it that way. I think this is a great race. And there's five that I actually like. And I'm having a hard time splitting them. Wisconsin, casual. Uh, I would maybe toss an ocean breeze. The aforementioned Monday call. And on the outside, compelling smile. Ooh. You better include that one. You held a gun to my head to pick one. I probably got to take Sconson because two back at Churchill, man, he looked like a freight train coming down the lane. And uh, the last one you can kind of forget because it's going four graces. He's close to the pace. But, yeah, I guess I'll give a narrow, the narrowest to nods of Sconson. But I think casual coming back from New York uh, has a big chance. Monday call looked good at Keeneland. And compelling smile. I just, I've just got to talk about this horse for a moment. This horse – has turned into a one-turn monster. They've 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 hit they've hit the stride with this horse. They they they've made him an elongated sprinter. He closes from the from the back. He's in great form. Um, he ran third to Wisconsin in that in that aforementioned race. Um, do I think he's going to pass all these horses? Probably not. But I mean, you've got to use him on your ticket underneath, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I think Wisconsin might be the one in this one. Yeah, this looks like a type of race that could set up for a closer. Brandon, are are you on a closer, or, or where did you land in here? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Alan. I was I looked at Compelling Smile and the 11 horse. Uh, you know, it's definitely a long shot, but it, its form of this horse changed just the last race, and it was at Ellis. And he seemed to kind of level out with his speed, you know, not be such a late-pace animal. So I, it just depends on how that horse breaks that day, but I would like to play it for sure. Uh, my top choice, though, went to casual, number five with Corey Landry. On the mound, you got to throw away the first that one mile uh, run with Ricardo on the horse. Uh, I mean, look at the company that horse was in. Gamine was in that race. 
So I'm just going to throw that whole thing out. And I think this horse turns back at seven furlongs. I'd love to see three to one. I don't think five to one is going to hold, but I'm hammering casual here in this spot for sure. I, I think I do recognize Wisconsin has got a lot of class, uh, but I, I don't, uh, I'm just not that confident. But Jimmy Graham runs a great race at Ellis. You cannot deny him. He's one of the top jocks there. Uh, but, but uh, you know, then I go to the 10 Monday call, uh, Florent Giroux. I think this horse is also very eligible to improve. Going seven furlongs for sure is his spot. Uh, I, I don't think he's a miler, but, uh, you know, we play for prices, and I think that's a good mix of price horses. So, Miss Sakaya, uh, these guys have gone on and on about – cut this race and none of them have picked the winner yet i've got full <laughs> confidence that you are going to pick the winner in this race where did you land in the well, I, I feel kind of bad because i'm trying to beat the one that you all like and <laughs> and sconson didn't even come up for me as one that i liked and i'm trying to figure out why but the three that i was gonna box for my exact in this race was hello beautiful monday call and casual Got a big change. Big, okay, so this is this is it right here. This is the this is it. This is the exacta box, and we're going to go with the two Hello Beautiful, the five Casual, and the ten Monday Cost. Sack has guaranteed this, so a one dollar exacta box is going to cost you six dollars. So you could play this. You know, a two dollar variety would cost twelve. A five dollar variety would cost thirty. Uh, this, so this this is the the hallmark moment of the uh the podcast it, it's it's we're, we're leaning we're leaning on you for this uh you didn't pick the winner but you you do have uh you do have uh some very nice fillies in here and I, and I will be playing this on your behalf and but I will add that none of you picked the winner the winner's going I know to who number, he's going with y'all yeah the number the number seven ocean breeze is going to win the, the race this is another daughter of Curlin, and this this filly freaked yeah. in her second start at Churchill, uh, she she beat the living as as my father would say, she beat the living tar out of these horses in her maiden breaking effort. Now it, she was disappointing in her third start. That was the Iowa Oaks. She broke from the five hole out of six. She kind of hung out wide, and the winner that day went wire to wire. That was an Iowa bred long shot, but that was her first two turn start. Now she turns back. I don't necessarily. I wish I don't even know where Martin Garcia is. Is he riding at Ellis this week? He was last week. He was last weekend, but they go to Talamo, which I'm fine with Talamo. He's he's a good jockey. But you look at this Philly, she worked forty six and two on July twenty sixth, the bullet workout. And then last weekend was just a maintenance work. And I think I think this silly this this Philly is sitting on a on a big race. So she'll be on my tickets. That is for sure. Okay, let's go. Can we trademark the Asecta box? Can we do that? We're going to do that. We're going to trademark. <laughs> yeah. We'll send that. We'll file that paperwork. So, <laughs> all right, let's go to race nine. This is the Groupie Doll Stakes, formerly the Gardenia Stakes. Like I said earlier, this is this used to be the centerpiece of the meeting. It was a grade three event for many, many years. They took that uh, that uh, designation away a couple of years ago, but it doesn't look like to me that the race suffered at all. And... To me, looks like the two favorites are going to be on the rail. Lady Apple, four to one on the morning line for Steve Asmussen. And then you go to the far outside, 
the three to one morning line choice would be street band for Larry Jones. And this filly last year won the cotillion at parks. That was a million dollar race. And she won drawing away. Uh, she beat the Chad Brown filly Guarana. And I believe Serengeti Empress was in that race as well. So uh, there's some star power in this, uh, in this renewal of the groupie doll. Uh, Alan, uh, I'm on, I'm probably on just those two fillies, but do you land? There's there's some talented fillies in here for sure. Who, where did you land? Hey, that's <clears throat> uh, this is a good this is a good race. Uh, there's a, a touch of a concern that Street Band's not quite the horse it was last year. Uh, and coming up the 12 hole one at weird 1.5 turn at Ellis gives me a little pause. Lady Apple is not maybe not quite the same horse, but she draws real well. I'm gonna do something stupid as usual. I'm going to go with the horse that had the prep race here in Ellis Park. Beat nothing, but what about New Rue? Uh, the horse, if you go back and look at the horse's form, the dirt races are actually pretty good. The horse probably been on dirt the whole time. And that last race at Ellis, race for a track at this distance, only horse in the race with a prep here. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and take my man Drury hoping he has a big day today and this is the start of his uh, late daily double. Uh, I'm gonna try new route of price. I also think those Vino's figures too, but he's stretching out. I like your two horses. Your two horses are definitely the class of the race, would not surprise me at all. They have to be on the ticket. But I'll probably take a flyer with Nuru. Okay, Brandon, where where are you at here? Yeah, I love the one turn and I love Lady Apple fitting in this spot, you know. That's my top choice of, of, of this race for sure. But, you know, it's funny. You know, I saw Nuru and and I, I, ha- I hesitated. But I think Lady Apple's got the class to, to win this whole, the race. Cutting back a little bit. I have a question about the cutback just a little because uh, she's always run longer. But maybe this will fit her spot and she scampers home pretty early out of curling. You know, the curling sire obviously can go a mile or more. But... Uh, I like the turn back and, uh, you know, then I venture because I'm going to spread in this race as well. Uh, I, I've got, I really have five horses on my ticket with Nuru as my fifth choice. Uh, so I went Dos Vinos number nine, uh, with Mitchell Merle. Uh, I think this horse is, is just right for this race. It does need to cover a little bit more ground, very quick up front. So I, I believe this horse will break out almost on top. Uh, I, I need to look at the rest of the, the other entrance, but, you know, and then I went all the way outside on street band with Sophie Doyle. I mean, she on big days like this, she can win a couple races for sure. And she's getting a great mount here. Uh, Larry Jones has got total confidence in her has had it, had to ride this horse forever. I think this is definitely a spot that she excels in. And then I also took number six with dignity. So those are my five lady apple, dos finos, Nuru with dignity and street band. I just didn't like the post of street band going one mile. That's my only knock against that. And she will be the chalk, I would guess. So, you know, if you want to play aggressive, you know, take another pick three and kind of raise your base bet here uh, to try to get a price on the inside. I'd like to add that the six horse that you just mentioned with dignity, this is one of those fillies we've been talking with, talking about all summer. Uh, She is the, a daughter of Ivory Empress who has produced, like we've talked about before several times, four graces, who is a uh, multiple stakes winner now. 
And then uh, uh, McCracken, who ran in the Derby, is one of the favorites a few years ago. So, you know, we've been always – I've been looking forward to this Phillies return for a while, and now she comes back here. And that, I think it's a good sign that they, they're going to bring her back in a stakes race. I so do too. I think, yeah, I think she bears watching here. Uh, uh, Sack, uh, where are you at in the uh, the groupie doll stakes? Are you on the favorites, or you think uh, there may be an upset in the offing? I really like Lady Apple to win. Um Underneath, there is one horse that I like that you all didn't mention, and that was Istan Council. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure one that I would use to either place or show. Um, Street Band, I was reading some comments that Larry Jones said earlier, and he didn't seem very confident. <laughs> really? That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed like he was saying that the horse had peaked and is still fine, but definitely not going forward. Um, and then I really like Dos Vinos because of Mitch Merle. I, I always mm-hmm. bet his horses. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Here's, here's your chance to throw out a low price horse uh, with street band. Cause she will be heavily bet. If you can get her out of your pick four wagers, your pick five wagers, that's certainly going to enhance, enhance your payoff. So, now we're down to the last race on the card, and like I always say, this is the most important race on any card because this determines whether or not you hit the pick five or the pick four or not. But it's also important in a different way because this is a this is absolutely a key prep race for the Kentucky Derby, and I'm so tickled to see Ellis Park host this race. And the favorite is going to be a heavy one. It's going to be Art Collector, four to five for Tom Drury and for, for B.J. Hernandez, who will saddle up here. This horse comes off a rousing victory in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland uh, in early July, where, where he beat the valiant Philly Swiss Skydiver. Our collector lays over this field. I think it's going to take something uh, unusual for him to get beat here. Uh, Brandon, I know you like shared sense in the Indiana Derby. Where are you at here? Yeah. That post is just tough again, all the way on the outside. But, you know, a, a horse I've had in my stable for a long time, and I follow the works pretty religiously because, you know, I have certain apps that I love to watch uh, the horses uh, and follow how they're doing. I, I actually am going to stick with New Dior, number two. I think this horse is going to have a great time here at Ellis. Uh, I don't like that long of a layoff, but... You know, the works are definitely maintenance. I love seeing six furlongs thrown in the mix. I don't know why they would work that horse, you know, five, then three, then five, five, six, five. Uh, but the horse is conditioned. I, I feel like the, that Blaine Wright, I don't know that trainer too often uh, on many of his horses, but uh, I, I want to definitely pay attention to that horse there. Uh as a price, I mean, I, I think a price on the inside, it just ha- and it should break fine, and it should come out near the lead and, and maybe get a great trip. Uh, but I definitely fits there. But you know, our collector definitely has the class. Uh, she showed it at, at the Bluegrass, and I was, you know, that, that horse really kind of had a second level above the rest that day. She's gonna have to bring it again though. So, uh, do I think she gets challenged? Yes, I think they'll break together, though. Our collector and New Dior are going to be stride for stride for quite a good way. Uh, and then I was looking for one more here, 
and I was going outside to D Martini number nine with James Graham, Tom Amos. You know, I've enjoyed listening to Tom Amos on the Fox uh, sports net since I've been watching so much Saratoga and, uh, I, I, I loved his commentary. He seems like to be a great horseman. So I hope, uh, you know, that horse comes in, but shared sense on the outside is a threat. I, but the horse has to make it over and I don't think he's going to make it over early. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens in that race, but those three, I really like an, an EDR art collector. And so those are kind of my top two. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. Do you know who Do Dean, Martin, huh? What do you do you know who Dean Martin is? Dean Martini, yeah, my bad. No, 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 no. Dean Martin, the singer. Yeah, yes. Okay, you know who the Rat Pack was? A little bit, yes. Okay. <laughs> Look it up. We're going. We're going to talk about this next week. Yeah. Uh, Sakaya, who do you like in the Ellis Park Derby? Is 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 there any way we can beat Art Collector? No. <laughs> Yeah, I love that horse. Um, I, I mean, I even like that horse for the Kentucky Derby. So um, the other horses are the ones you all mentioned. Anuador is one that I liked and Shared Sense was the other one, but I don't like them to win at all. <laughs> Just yes. curious, if, if, how would you play this race or or, or are you going to play the race? Are you going to play it, maybe like a pick three or a double or, or, or bet the horse to win or try to hit a trifecta? What what type of play would you suggest here? That race, I would probably do Art Collector in a key exacta box. Okay. Who would yeah. you use? Who would you use underneath? Uh, maybe all of them. <laughs> there you go. You know, well, <laughs> I was going to add – this race is nine furlongs on the dirt. The Ellis Park is a, is nine furlongs in circumference. This race starts at the finish line. I don't know if there's going to be a, a run up or not, but there is not a lot of run to the first turn. So your second choice is Shared Sense, and he's breaking from the 12 hole, and he's your second choice. He he's going to take the worst of it in the first turn. So your your idea of going maybe all might pan out. Because you might get some chaos underneath. With mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, shared sense would have to run massive just maybe to hit hit the exacta here. So I, I think you're, you're on to something there with that, Alan. I know you're a big fan of Art Collector. It's almost sickening. To, to go on about it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know who you, I know I know you're going to pick him on top. But who who do you like underneath? Well, uh, Sack has the right idea. It's uh, it's Art Collector. And he draws well today. I mean, there's not, there's like Brandon mentioned, there's not much pace in here. Uh, a new Dior is probably going to get the lead out of fault. And hell, Art Collector could probably get the lead if he wanted to. So pace can be kind of soft. Um, I was thinking about maybe playing the Superfecta and using Shared Sense in the three and four spot because I think Shared Sense is probably the second best horse in the race, but he's going to have too much to overcome post position and pace wise. So. But the talent may get him into the superfecta. That's kind of way I was going to approach it. Uh, I would keep. I'm not a big fan of a, a no Dior, but I think like trip well today. And you know this this rail horse for Brendan Walsh, Triton Hint. Uh, maybe he gets into the superfecta because uh, that horse passed 11 horses on debut. 
something Brennan Walsh does not do. So there's got to be some talent there. But at the end of the day, it's Art Collector solidly for me here. I think uh, I think this is the perfect spot, perfect pace scenario, and I, I think the horse wins. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is going to be the horse I'm going to single in my late pick four, pick five. I mean, you're not going to get much value, but, I mean, you, you got to take what they give you. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. So so that's the end of the Ellis Park card. Now, Sakaya, we're, we're very grateful that you decided to spend your Friday evening with us. You did a wonderful job handicapping these races. Uh, I guess before you go, uh, the Travers is on Saturday. Do you have a selection for the Travers? Oh, well, you know, I was pretty sold on Tis the Law, but now I'm sort of leaning Uncle Chuck. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know he loves hearing that. <laughs> yeah, I do love hearing that. I think that horse has a bright future for sure. So, um, well, anyway, Sakaya, we, we thank you for, for coming on with us. Is there any chance we could uh, entice you to come on in the future to join us for some some other big races down the road, possibly? Of course. I had a blast. You all are great. Thank you so much. We do appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Classing right. it up. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and follow her on Twitter as well. I'm sure she'll put her card out. Okay, guys, uh, let's uh, let's leave Henderson and and head northeast to Saratoga. Uh, guys, it's a big big day of racing. Not a lot of entries later in the card in all those giant stakes races. Uh, guys, do you have anything you, before we get to the Travers or any, any of the races that you'd like to talk about? I'll I'll mention one. Uh, again, this card is disappointing. Uh, there's no other way around it. It's it's Saratoga's big day, and there's lots of six and seven horse fields. I will approach this card with caution. I'll watch the fan. The one race I think I will play is the Ballerina of the seventh race. I think Pink Sands at ten to one with the Red Ortiz. A uh, lot of speed in a race. A lot of speed that could keep could keep going or could stop. So this is. Uh, the one-turn horse that I like. I think this is a legitimate seven-for-long one-mile horse, one turn. So uh, those are the kind of horses, horses I like to bet close. I'll take a shot at Pink Sands at 10-to-1. That might be my only bet on the day. Okay, Brandon, is there anything that stands out to you on this card? You know, I, I looked at 9, 10, and 11. You know, that was it. Uh, I, I like race 9, Mississippi, and Olympic Games. Uh, so that's and then Gamine is going to win. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about race 10 real quick. Uh, the entry that stood out to me, and we've talked about this Philly before, is Mrs. Danvers. I'm surprised mm-hmm. she showed up here after a lackluster race at Belmont going going the flat mile. She was she looked awful in that race. But prior to that, she looked like a horse that had a – She looked like the type of horse that had a, a bright future. So the fact that she shows up here – Makes me maybe consider using her as a saver. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it looks like Gamine is is the filly to beat, obviously, but there's the, the filly to her outside is Venetian Harbor at eight to five, and you know both of these fillies want to go. They absolutely want to go, and there is an absolute chance that there, this could be a a sizzling nuclear pace. And if that, is, if that happens, it, there is a chance that there could be a meltdown. Uh, and it it I think. There's something to be said about Baffert turning this filly back, Gamine, to seven furlongs rather than maybe going to the Alabama next weekend at a mile and a quarter. I mean, the ultimate goal is the Kentucky Oaks at a, at a mile and an eighth. So I thought I thought it was curious that they go here. So I'm just saying 
I wouldn't bet the farm on this, but Mrs. Danvers is a horse I've had my eye on for a long time. And I think, you know, if if the top two hook up here, there is an absolute chance that there's a meltdown and she could take advantage of it late. So I'd agree yeah. with that. I could agree with that. Plus the horse or the horse one of the horses could stop and she takes she comes along for second as well too. So I, I completely agree yeah. with your logic there. And I, I don't think there's any scenario where Venetian Harbor other than Gamine stumbling out of the gate. I don't I can't see Venetian Harbor surviving a pace duel with Gamine. So you know, if she if she falters late, Mrs. Danvers will be there to pick up the pieces. Now you're talking about maybe a, a nine dollar exacta, but you know, if, if there's only there's only so many chances on this card to make any money. So with that said, let's go to the the, the big race of the meet. It's the mile and a quarter run happy Traverse stakes. It's a million dollars. Mile and a quarter. And the heavy favorite, of course, is Tis the Law at even money. And he just he, he just recently ran in the Belmont Stakes on June 20th, blew out the field, uh, handily defeated uh, an up-and-comer, Dr. Post, in there, and he's even money on the morning line. So, guys, are, are you going to, to pick Tis the Law, or are you going to pick the winner in this race? <laughs> well, well played, well played. Uh, you know what? I know Uncle Tuck is the now horse, and I know this horse might air on Derby Day. Uh, I'm going to give Tis the Law one more shot. I mean, I'll give Tizzle one more shot to win the race today. Uh, maybe Uncle Chuck's best race comes down the road. I don't know, but uh, I'm going to stick with Tizzle until Uncle Chuck proves me otherwise. Maybe uh, maybe an idea to play the race to play Tizzle and Uncle Chuck on top, and maybe Max Player, uh, who's a true Malinate horse in the second spot, perhaps. We'll him back to him in the exacta, but. Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with Tislaw, but I know Uncle Chuck very well may buy for favoritism in here, let alone the win. Brandon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Uncle Chuck. I, I I need to go back and watch some of the replays there, but I've, I've always followed definitely Max Player. Tislaw, though, I mean, is a very strong horse. I, that's included for me in my my – Underneath play for sure, and I've, I think I've called this before. Is South Penn with Jose Ortiz takes him out. That's something you got to pay attention to. The horse runs second time without blinkers. We'll see what happens. I, I really like this horse. Uh, been on turf for a while. Switched to dirt. I know it was not the best track and the best company, but ran a really good effort there. Give this horse one more shot. If South Penn might come home for third. Well, guys, you're all on the wrong horse. The winner of this race will be Uncle Chuck for Bob Baffert. <laughs> the, I, I, this, this horse smacks of Justify all over again, but with a little more seasoning. Uh, he was special in his debut, and then he stretched out to a mile and eighth at Los Alamitos, and he, he just dusted 1,000 words who just came back to win. Like we said earlier, he won the shared belief stakes. And he beat Honor AP, and he ran a 104 buyer. Well, Uncle Chuck dusted him, and this horse has just unbelievable breeding. He's the son of Uncle Mo, who's already produced a Kentucky Derby winner in Nyquist. He's out of the damn uh, Forest Music, who has produced a great sire in McLean's Music. Uh, he produced a winner at Keeneland named Electric Forest, a really fast horse named Kentucky, and out on the West Coast. Uh, that's a blue hen mare, and this horse just has an amazing stride he just he 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 attacks the ground and 
he's already run fast enough. He's probably faster than most of these horses in this race other than Tis Law. And I'm curious to know, and we'll know tomorrow, if Tis the Law is effective at 10 furlongs as he's, as he's been at 9 furlongs. And I'm not 100% convinced that that's his best distance. Uh, we're going to find out for sure. But he's going to have to run down Uncle Chuck. I think Uncle Chuck's going to get get the run of the race on him. And if if he runs decent at all in here, I think he's going to win the Kentucky Derby, barring barring injury or anything like that. Gosh. So how do you play the race then? How how would you play this race? I'm going well. I just gonna try to hammer a pick four or a pick five or pick six. I'm just going to single Gamine and single uh, Uncle Chuck. And then maybe play a saver pick four with Mrs. Danvers in the race before. So, I mean, Uncle Chuck's going to be the key to my Saturday. Okay. Well, let me ask you this as well. Of the B horses in here, Country Grammar, Caracaro, and Max Player, who do you like the best? I think Country Grammar is the type of horse that really wants to go 10 furlongs. At Saratoga, you really have to you have to finish. Yeah. And this this – with his pedigrees, the son of Tonalist, who, who won the Belmont Stakes at a mile and a half. So, you know, the, the family tree indicates that this this is no problem. I I think, you know, unfortunately, he's the he's probably going to be the third choice. So there's, there's really no value in verticals other than maybe, yeah. you know, if you get to the law out of the try somehow, which I, I don't know if that's possible. But, uh, yeah, if, I mean, for me, it's Uncle Chuck over country grammar and tis the law. And, you know. Uh, it's possible Caracaro could move forward too. That's, I mean, that's a, that, he ran nice in his in his comeback at uh, uh, at Saratoga's opening weekend as well. So uh, you know, it, it, for me, it's Uncle Chuck. And then, like I said, if 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 he does what I think he's going to do, uh, I mean, it's it's all in on the first Saturday of September. All right, sounds good. Yep, you're probably right. Bob Baffert has another one. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up another show. This was episode 12 of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. Uh, we definitely want to thank Sakaya Schuler. You can follow her on Twitter at SAC, S-A-K, SAC underscore shoes. And you can follow me at, at Dr. Shilito, D-R-S-H-I-L-L-I-T-O. Alan, where can we find you? Uh, at Derby Will, D-E-R-B-Y-W-I-L-L. That's my first name. And Mr. Jaggers. At JigJag00. JigJag uh, Jig used to be my uh, soccer nickname from growing up. I'm no longer that guy, but uh, uh, I, I will change my name from time to time. Today I'm Labor Day Roses until, until we have our derby, and then I'll have to find something else. But at JigJag00. Okay, well, after Saturday, you're going to change it to I didn't pick Uncle Chuck. <laughs> Get ready, pal. Get ready. Well, maybe maybe I'll go skinny. We'll see what happens. But let's have a little Twitter contest. We'll put I'll put some picks out on Twitter and let's see who let's see who brings home the bacon. Okay. Well, I'm just putting out one, Uncle Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. My ROI, my ROI will beat yours. All, all right. right. We'll all right, guys. I'm I want to thank you all off. for joining. Thank you guys for joining us. As always. And uh, we, wish we wish everybody a, a, a good luck and hope everybody has a has a happy uh, Travers weekend and a, and a happy Ellis Park Derby Day. And we hope you join us next weekend for another action-packed Auxiliary Gate podcast. And remember, guys, gambling money ain't got no home.